Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast with the Switch to Manual guys. I'm Antonio. And I'm Tom. Hey, Tom. And we we made it over the hump. We're episode 51 now. Wow. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I got to say again, 50's the new 30. 50 is the new 30. I don't know if that helps us in the podcast world. <laughs> I, I don't know either, but I, I got the sense a lot of people were congratulating us that we made it to our 50th. And that sounds like a... A milestone. So I'm actually kind of excited and 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 hopeful and uh, and jazzed. So, yeah, we made it, and I know it's been like for our audience, we've been sort of on a little bit of erratic schedule, and I think it's life has been not getting in the way. I don't want to say that is a bad thing, but just life has been there for both of us. Yeah. 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 It's been a little hard to to pin down our schedule, both of us, but here we are. Uh, it's, we're recording on the 20th of February. So, uh, this will probably go out this week sometime as much as, as fast as I can. Actually, just as a, as a bit of n not news, what do I call it? Housekeeping <laughs> as it were, mm -hmm. we're having a little trouble with our site. So even though you can get to our site, um, there's some backend stuff. Like I can't seem to be able to post posts. I'm having some error messages. So I was working with the hosting company today, trying to figure it out. Apparently there's a lot of junk and some malware sitting on our site. So I got to clean that up, but uh, that won't stop the podcast from getting published though. Cause I, we publish on Podbean, So this will go out on the regular, you know, iTunes, stuff like that. It just might not be able to get to our page on our, I might not be able to set up our page yet. So, uh, hopefully that won't be too long. I'll try to fix that. It's just, it's one of those things on the list of things to do, which is, you know, kind of drudgery, I think. Yeah, it is. But Thank God you know how to do it. I Tony's do. on it, everyone. Don't worry. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm going to need a little bit of help. And if anybody hears this and knows WordPress stuff, you know, get in touch with me uh, <laughs> off air. Uh, I might be able to use a little help, but uh, I actually have to clean up our site. We have a, I have a lot of gunk on our site, so maybe if I get rid of all that stuff, it will clear up. But anyway, uh, Tom, I also want to shout out to my friend Mo. Um, he sent us a, a donation uh, to our podcast and a so I'm going to make him uh, honorary producer of tonight's show. Cool. Awesome. Thank you, Mo. Yeah, Mo. Mo, thumbs up, man. Thanks a lot for uh, helping support us. Any little bit uh, helps. And, you know, I'll plug it now. If you guys uh, go onto our Podbean page, there's a little tip cup. Uh, and our, uh, our regular podcast page is a little tip cup. So we feel like giving us some chump change and help us uh, pay some of the hosting bills. That would be great. We're having fun doing this. So, you know, a little change can help. But uh Anyway, Tom, so yeah, to get into, oh, look, we got, <laughs> I actually posted, I posted, uh, that we were doing the podcast on Twitter said, if anybody had any questions, they could tweet us. And you know what? Uh -huh. Just as this is live happening, uh, wow. just as uh, I started the podcast, we just got a, a tweet from our friend Stuart Chambers in England. Oh, cool. Um, so can I read it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I put out, I said, you know, we're recording in 10 minutes and, and if anybody's got any questions or comments, you know, send them out. And so Stu says, he goes, whoops, late to the party. Here's a question before doing some location photography, what resources do you use for research? That's a good question. Yeah. Location photography, what resources do you use? And, and he goes, uh, he comes up with another tweet. He goes, Google earth images to get a feel Tide tables, sunrise, sunset tables, check lonely planet, et cetera. Hey, you know what, Stuart? <clears throat> I don't do a lot of location photography. Um, yeah, it sounds like we need to interview Stuart for this. We got to interview Stuart. Yeah. Podcast. No, I've, I've used Google Maps. Uh, Google Earth, actually. Was it Google Earth or Google Maps? I've used Google Maps a lot uh, for street views, especially to scope out neighborhoods that I wanted to uh, photograph in. And, you know, uh -huh. I'm generally checking to see what, you know, just so I get a feel for the neighborhood to see where I want to go, what the neighborhood's like, where the subway stops are, you know, just get the feel for it through Google Maps because it's a, it's a nice, easy scouting thing to do. So that's a pretty obvious one. But you know what? Hey, Stuart, I'm going to, I'm going to put that on hold because maybe we got somebody online who does more location photography than Tom or I do. Tom, do you do any? You don't do any location stuff lately, right? You're just pretty much in a location and you shoot like yeah, where you are. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. I mean, I've done some travel shooting, but you know, it's some. Oftentimes, it's like, well, sometimes it's going back to places that I like, and I, I feel like I just learn through being there. And 
getting a feel for a place. Uh, so I, I haven't really approached it as intentionally, I don't think, as Stuart's worth talking about. What, and it you, sounds like he's talking about it, too, from the standpoint of, like, if you have a job, you're going to go shoot somewhere. And yeah, are you going to research it? Yeah, do some research. But when you went to Cuba, what did you do before you went to Cuba on that trip? I kind of was, like, you know, hosted um, while I was there. And, and the, the person who helped sponsor that trip gave me some books and maps and talked to me about Cuba. So I kind of learned some that way. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, but, you know, once I was there, I I mean, we had a very carefully planned out itinerary that went all over Cuba. So I sort of knew I all I had to do was just stay on my toes and <laughs> keep shooting, you know. I mean, I but that's just more of my style, too. You know, I'm, I'm not so there's Johnny Cash. Hey, Johnny Cash. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to sing us a song. Yeah. Yeah, you, you strike me as a seat-of-the-pants kind of person, too, you know? Yeah, that, yeah, that's always been my style, just sort of... Although I have definitely, I, you know, appreciate the the power of, of putting yourself someplace where you're intentionally going to be surrounded by beauty, and Cuba is certainly one of those places. Yeah, you know, hang on, I'm just typing him right now. I'm saying that we're answering him now. <laughs> I'm answering now as best as we can i like this this stuff is happening live in some weird way the the, the times i used to go on trips and it's pre-internet stuff a while back uh -huh. i went spent a couple months in greece and then a few weeks in italy and there was there was not a lot of online information uh that i could grasp beforehand and so it really was a seat of the pants thing i mean today you you do have all these different things that you can do um, but my last trip that I went on was to my sister's wedding in Jamaica, and there was no way for me to check out Google Maps for Jamaica ahead of time because they don't ride the streets. They didn't, Google never rode the streets of, you know, Jamaica and made maps of it. Hmm. So I couldn't, I couldn't really see huh. where I was going to be. I was really like, I'm thrown in this place. Now I wasn't there to be a location photographer. I was there to, you know, it was a personal family thing. So it was really there for my sister. And I, that's the the trip. I only brought the one camera with me too. Um, we talked about that before, restricting myself to just shooting with one camera. But I had no idea of, you know, the tide schedules or where the sun was going to rise and set. And plus, what was really difficult was that we had very little internet connection there. So while I was there, I could not really access data so well, uh -huh. you know. So I couldn't find mm -hmm. out, you know, the sunrise and set sense times so easily. So I just had to sort of play it by ear as well. But I think if you're about to go on a trip, I think you really need to do is figure out what your your goal is. Are you going on a trip for photography? And if you're going to do that, then you're going to have to do a lot of research ahead of time. There is something to be said for going someplace and just like Tom and I do, or sort of, you know, going by the seat of your pants, you know, and, and yeah. seeing what well, I guess part, pops up. Yeah, I guess part of it too is that we are street photographers and that tends to be <laughs> yeah. how we approach things. So, but yeah. I, I think it's, it, it really does sound like it warrants a, a whole podcast. And I think it'd be fun to interview Stuart, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like he's, he's really got a sense of how to go about research. Well, actually he's, he's asking us, <laughs> we're supposed to be the experts. <laughs> I know, but just in his question, it sounds like yeah. he knows more about it than we do. Yeah. He says Google earth images to get a feel tide tables, sunrise, sunset tables, check lonely planet, et cetera. And I would say all those things are good, but yeah, I think maybe we can get someone else on with him who does that. Maybe uh, one of our close friends. Actually, I actually have a whole list of photographers I want to have on our show this year. So, awesome. That. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, Stuart, thanks for popping in at the last second. That's the best we can do at the moment. I the best thing I could say is that choose what your goal is. You know, and I would. I mean, there is this idea of leaving something up to chance and randomness to see what happens. So, you know, it's like when you're on a trip now, this is, it's pretty hard to get lost. You know, you have access to maps. There's, there's no way that you can really just sort of go off the map these days. So I don't know. My idea is like, try to try to do the opposite. Try not to plan it too much, which this also might tie into what we're talking about a little bit as the main subject of today's show later. But before we get into that, Tom, 
Remember, you're the yes. Canon guy and I'm the Nikon guy. I, I, you know, there was some news that popped up last week that just affected me a little bit. So I wanted to talk about it with you. I know you're a Canon guy, so you don't really care. To, <laughs> maybe you don't care. I don't mean that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we should be taking any time on Nikon. No. <laughs> well, I have fond associations with Nikon. I do even too. Oh, I am a Canon guy. Yeah, I know. And I, I, I actually, a long time ago, I always wanted a Canon camera way back when. Canon had some really good film cameras that I wanted. So I ended up getting Nikon. It was just the choice at the time. Anyway, last week they uh, posted that they lost an enormous amount of money. Their, their stock dropped uh, 15% in one day. Uh, they announced that they're cutting back on a bunch of camera lines that they had announced and decided now not to to uh, bring to production. And those cameras actually looked pretty good. I, I saw the pictures of them. They looked kind of retro, and it was kind of cool that Nikon was, you know, going back into that look. But they lost all this... Yeah, but they lost all this money, and they stopped these cameras. And I just wanted to say, like, how, you know, kind of sad I am about this in some way. Uh, in, the, in the same way, like, the way Kodak, although, uh, you know, Kodak dropped off the map in t almost entirely. Uh, and that was sad because of the history that Kodak has. And... And this is sort of in the same vein. I'm not saying that Nikon's going out of business. There's nothing, nothing really says that they're going out of business. But, you know, this is not a good sign if their stock's dropping and they're canceling cameras that they announced. Mm. I'm the, like you said, I'm the Nikon guy. You're the Canon guy. And I've had Nikons. I still have my Nikon film cameras. And they're really nice cameras. And the Nikon lenses are great. And I don't think Nikon's going out of business in any time soon. But it's just sad to see this happen to a company that's been around for so long. I don't know. I don't know if you have any feelings about it. I mean, you, you said you, you're the Canon guy, but. Uh... Yeah. Well, I mean, it does seem a little ominous just because the whole world of photography is changing so dramatically. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Nikon seems to have, you know, withstood and adapted and evolved so that it's been a mainstay and it's surprising to me. I mean, I'm not following the camera industry day by day and, and watching the ups and downs. But I mean, for it to register with you in such a significant way, it really seems like, huh, it's definitely something to take note of. It's weird. They almost, like you were saying, they were about to launch the retro look. And I don't know if they were, if any of those were mirrorless or if they're getting away from like offering something other than big SLRs, because that does seem to be the direction things are going less and less people want to carry around a lot of mm -hmm. heavy, heavy equipment. Yeah, and there's yeah. so much you can do with something smaller as you're making clear. With yeah. Your Fujis. I'm one of those people. I mean, one of the things I liked about my Fuji cameras is how they've, how Fuji has really embraced this, you know, uh, going back in some way to old times and, and emulating film stocks. I mean, that's the one thing that Fuji has an advantage over Nikon. Nikon doesn't make film, so they don't, they can't emulate film stocks, but but in terms of innovation, you know, I think other companies have been a little bit more innovative than Nikon in general. Nikon has really sort of dragged their feet. And as me being critical of them, I only being critical because I like them. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not saying if they had come out with retro cameras before Fuji, I would have gone Nikon or not. I, I don't know. I mean, Fuji just, you know, resonated with me. But, you know, I haven't gotten rid of my Nikon stuff yet. I mean, I am thinking that I am more likely to be shooting more Fuji stuff in the future i mean even canon by the way i don't know if you you said you're not following it but canon has come out with some nice mirrorless cameras they've gotten into the mirrorless business a little bit late but even their canon their new camera i think it's called the m6 i could be wrong i'm not i don't have it in front of me but it's been getting decent reviews and it looks really nice yeah. and mm. you know nikon hasn't been really maintaining the the foot race with the trend of the way people are going with like smaller lighter uh more exciting cameras so i mean I'm, my fingers are crossed for for nikon i don't want to see them go the way of the dodo at all i'm sure they're always going to have a scientific optics business and whatever those i mean that's their main business cameras are not their main business um, mm. but you know there's there's nikons in the space station right that's what they use up there wow uh, you know i did not know that yeah when the shuttle was going up there after the accident uh with columbia right it was the columbia and when the shuttles went up there and they had to do that little flip over so that they, the, the shuttle, the space station could check to see if any of the tiles were damaged. Uh -huh. Um, they would use a Nikon camera, a very, very large lens, maybe a 600 millimeter or a 500 millimeter. 
and they would take pictures of the underneath of the shuttle with the with the Nikon cameras. But they've been using Nikon cameras up in, in the space station and the shuttle for a while now. So I'm like, I'm really proud when I see that. It's like, hey, it's Nikon stuff up there. <laughs> so, yeah. But, you know, a lot That's of the... Cool. Yeah, a lot of sports shooters, a lot of news shooters, though. They use Canon materials, so it's, you know, we'll see. Anyway, I wanted to mention that because it meant something to me. And, you know, a lot of people who I've taken classes with, I actually had a photography class, a street photo class on Saturday, just past Saturday. And uh, three of the five people in there had Nikons. It was the first. <laughs> huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there, was no, there was actually no Canon people in that class. It was three Nikons, a Pentax, and someone using an iPhone. Huh. And the Pentax was interesting. The Pentax was about the size. It was so small. You could probably swallow it if you put your mind to it. I never saw a camera so small in my life. Wow. Yeah. Great yeah. for street shooting. Yeah, it was. Anyway. Uh, oh, yeah. And I have a couple more classes coming up, by the way. I'll, I'll post that someplace. But in March and yeah. March and April. January, February, March, April. Yeah. In, in New York City. The Friday, I think, the March 24th. Uh, I'm just going to plug myself here. Yeah. Friday, March 24th, two o'clock to five o'clock street photography class in Brooklyn. It only costs 20 bucks. So if you're interested, uh, it's from my, the company I work for called brick, but if you're interested, you know, ping me after, uh, after the podcast and I'll send you information if you're in Brooklyn and you want to walk the streets of Brooklyn with me anyway. Yeah, man. What a great opportunity. Yeah. All right. So all that being said, I thought we would take a page from uh, the Shutter Time podcast with Sid and Mac. They they've been finding uh, very good uh, material for their podcast on a website called Petapixel, and I thought maybe we could just steal their idea <laughs> and and find an article that would spark some discussion between uh, you and me. And mm -hmm. you concurred, right? So last week this article popped up that sort of raised the hairs in the back of my neck. And, uh, and they do that a lot. The titles, the titles of, I don't know if it's clickbait or anything like that. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not judging them, but the title for this blog post, uh, from a New Zealand photographer was, are you a photographer or just a camera operator? <laughs> uh -huh. and, and that, I don't know. My, my first instinct when I see a title like that, when I, when I hear that is, is just, I start to cringe. Um, yeah. And, and the first cringe comes from perhaps not photographer part of me, but right now I'm, my day job is I'm working on a daily television show uh, and I'm a camera operator. Actually, I work a jib. So I work the crane, uh, which takes some skill to do. And I am technically called a jib operator, right? And the other people on the show are called camera operators. So I see that. That was sort of my, that's where I like it, my eyebrow raised up. And I'm thinking, yeah, well, am I just, you know, am I just operating this camera for this television show or am I actually doing something? You know, so that's what, when I hear that, my critical, I don't know, my hair start to stand up in the back of neck. So I, I read it quickly first and basically, let me see if I can find some, well, you read it, Tom, right? Yeah. So what was yeah. your, what was your first, you, you probably didn't have the same kind of response I did. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wasn't triggered by the camera operator thing. That's interesting. I can see how that would totally yank your chain yeah. in a negative way, you know? Um, but I mean, of course, with your street shots, you're creating art. I mean, for me, what I, I kind of came away thinking like, yeah, you know, he, he made some good points. There's, I think one of the things we're going to go into deeper is this notion that a lot of pictures look the same. A lot of people are out there kind of taking the same kinds of pictures and they're not really bringing uh, a sense of artistic creativity or really trying to, to do something meaningful through the, the medium of photography. You know, mm -hmm. they're just, just snapping pictures. And so it's, I mean, and, and, and clearly, you know, there's, there's, huge numbers of pictures that would fall into that category. I mean, mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I think I would be more generous than he might be in terms of which photographs are outside of that. But I mean, I think in general, he's, you know, he's, he's making a good point that a lot, lots of times people pull the Chevy chase at the grand Canyon, walk up, lift up the camera, take a picture and walk away, you know, and, uh -huh. and there's, there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of those shots of the grand Canyon, but then there's, 
other things that people are doing with that subject matter that kind of become a window to the cosmos. And it's like, what's the difference between, you know, the first type and the second type. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I like what he's saying about what the difference is that, you know, there's like any, I mean, I, I, I love the part where he, you know, it's near the end. He mentions these other artists, Pablo Picasso spent his lifetime perfecting and experimenting with his art. I'm quoting him now. Mm -hmm. The same can be said for Vincent van Gogh, Salvador Dali, Andy Warhol, Jackson Pollock. Um, you know, so he's talking about these actual artists who poured their heart and soul into what they were mm -hmm. doing. And you can, I mean, we have talked about this before, how I can look at your images and I know that that's, you know, a classic Antonio shot. The same is true when you look at mine, you, you're like, recognize my style mm -hmm. and you know me and you know what it is, what I'm, that I'm trying to do. And is that a fa sorry, I'm going to interrupt you a second, but isn't that, yeah, yeah. is that a facile uh, analogy? I mean, to compare people who paint to people who take photographs, I mean, can you compare painters to architects? Can you compare painters to sculptors? Can you compare painters to people who do needlepoint? I mean, the only thing I, I can say in comparison is there's something physical with your hands involved with it. But like my radar goes up when someone starts to compare photography with painting. So uh -huh. I, I, yeah, I hear what yeah. you're saying, but, but you uh -huh. know, I, well, actually I, maybe I can compare Picasso to Ansel Adams or Michael Kenna, you know, Michael Kenna's work. I think you know what I'm saying? It's ringing a bell. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I do. I do. I mean, I, 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 I don't think he's necessarily like specifically making that comparison between, between painting and photography. I think in this context at the very end, he's, he's getting to that notion that, you know, uh, a serious artist is pouring some of him or herself into what they are creating. I mean, even those painters that he lists are so radically different from each other, but what they share is that sense that, you know, they're, they were definitely on a creative journey, you know, all those people they, they mentioned. And I think that that's what resonated for me in mm -hmm. terms of the kind of the, the lens we bring to the, mm -hmm. our photographic work and where we're inviting other people to engage in by switching to manual, by taking control of the camera and, and, and opening up that door to creativity, you know, and ultimately in the largest sense, it, it is, I think about finding your voice and another thing that we've touched on before. But I mean, I think it's, it's interesting. It's like, I, I think had he asked the question, you know, is photography art that might have gotten more to what he's getting at or mm. I don't know. It was a provocative title, but <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I think it is art. And I, 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 I'm such a believer in art in general, you know, as a powerful force in life worthy of dedicating one's life to. I mean, mm -hmm. well, um, at, at some point, you know, in the article, first I, I pu pulled out a couple of quotes that were, you know, that rang my bell a little bit because he says, where's the artist's brushstroke? Where's the photographer's unique thumbprint aside from uh, the top of their shutter button? And as you're just talking to me now, <laughs> yeah, well, as you're talking to me now, and then he says a little bit later on, he goes, um, what does he say? Uh, he goes, photography is mainly used as an archive medium. Uh, that's all, I'm quoting him now. That's all well and good. Yeah. If that's uh, how you use photography, many people love photography, this aspect alone. But for me, um, that just makes you a camera operator, not an artist. So as you were talking, the first thing that popped in my mind was... Uh, you know, our, our discussion with Ron Haviv, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So yes, Ron, go back to our, I can't remember what episode it was, but we interviewed Ron Haviv, a really great photojournalist. And some of his most influential work, I think was when he was in the former Yugoslavia and he spent a lot of time there photographing the civil war. Uh, and I, I really recommend people to go to his website and look at his pictures. I mean, th but this is for any photojournalist who spends a lot of time. It, you know, it's, how am I going to say this? There's an art in it. I mean, the, it's photography. It's a, it's a, um, he's creating pictures. They're telling a story. They are being used in some way as an archive medium. I mean, he's recording a bit of history, right? Uh huh. Yeah. But there's, there's a, a dedication of, uh, time and energy and work and emotions spent in creating this, 
archive medium as, as you know, I'll, I'll put that in quotes, but it's, it's not so apparent. Like, you know, Picasso or Van Gogh are like pouring their heart out onto the canvas, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we never know that from uh, necessarily from a photographer's point of view, because we don't know what it took for them to create those pictures. We don't know what kind of emotional energy was spent in, in making that. I don't think that makes it any less of an art form. You know, I yeah. Well, I I I kind of agree with what you're saying. I mean, and I'm not I, sure I, if I'm I, getting if you get my point. No, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, I I think I do. I think I do. But like a photographer but, who spends who spends like you know six years with you know traveling in Appalachia and staying with the families there, you know, and creating a body of work, and I mean, you know, that's another extreme, perhaps. But well, I think those extremes are good because you know uh, contrast clarifies. I mean, the contrast between those kinds of images any you know an image say that captures uh a social uh, a moment of acute suffering i mean something that that deeply connects you to what it means to be human you know that is part of what uh makes elevates something outside of beyond a selfie or Mm -hmm. hey stop i want to take your picture in Mm -hmm. front of that whatever you Mm -hmm. know it's 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 like it's taking it to that next level. And then people like Ron Haviv, you know, are just sort of on the edge of life and death, risking everything to to capture things that feel urgently important and that then are part of the historic record, like you're saying. But, you know, the other thing occurs to me in response to what you're saying, Tony, is I think as photographers, like, you know, somebody might just open a magazine and see a picture and, and of like, you know, uh, a conflict situation, or, or like you were saying, um, really intense photojournalism that involves travel and getting past all kinds of barriers to get to a point where you're capturing something, something real and powerful. I mean, you know, most photographers are going to look at that and say uh, they're going to understand that mm-hmm. a lot went into capturing that that images, you know, that image, you know, beyond the the just the power of the image itself. I mean, then there might be that sense of artistic appreciation of wow what a beautiful shot but you know i mean it's kind of like that sense of when you see that somebody's taken something from an impossibly difficult location and some sort of like mountain climbing moment you're like wow you know imagine getting to that place to take that shot and then taking a shot that's so beautiful but some of that i think is just that's like as photographers and you you know, folks who are into photography are going to look at that and have a certain level of appreciation and admiration. But, but I think he's really getting at something deeper in terms of he's he's talking about the the images that that really speak for themselves because they they have become art. You know, mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. they're saying something. And the other thing I love about the article, is, I mean, it's a short little essay, and we'll give we'll provide a link to it. But you know, he's talking about the the ideas that the photographer is carrying around in terms of what is their own self-understanding of what it is that they're doing. And, you know, it's like when you pick up like a, uh, you know, I don't know. I love, I love reading other photographers about their work because then you, you get a window into their heart and soul and mind and their own creative process. Or you read a good biography about Walker Evans, you know, or Mm -hmm. Dorothy Lang. And you're all of a sudden like, Wow, you know, you you see the the creative arc of their life, and just like Picasso had his sort of major creative stages, these you know photographers do as well. And mm-hmm. I I think that's what he's getting at that people have lost sight of the fact that it can be a serious art form, and if you devote yourself to it, it will evolve, and your work will evolve, and and that's an exciting thing, and it's an opportunity that some people might be missing if they're just looking at what other people are doing and saying, oh, yeah, I want to take a shot like that. Yeah, yeah. So the other quote I pulled up from him was he says, uh, I'm wondering, this is in relation to what you're talking about, but he goes, I'm just wondering what makes a photograph special. What makes a photo so deserving it belongs up on a gallery wall or a museum? And, I mean, it's a great question. What what does make a photograph special? And what you were just talking about before is something I, I think I've mentioned Prior to this, uh, there's a website, there's a few websites. I mean, Flickr is one of them and, and, uh, Instagram's another and 500 pixels is another. And one of the 
500 pixels is the one that always I sort of I just have a problem with. But I've noticed what happens is that everything begins to start to look alike. And people are saying, I want to take a picture like that guy. I want to take a picture uh-huh. of a waterfall with a blurry waterfall. I want to take a picture of a sunset with a seagull flying through the sun. And I want to do all that stuff that they've seen already. And yeah. and what you're saying is like, well, where's where's your visual voice in that? What is your, you know, where's Antonio in that picture? Where's Tom in that picture? You know, it's okay to, you, you're, you're, and I don't actually think there's anything wrong with doing that. I mean, I yeah, want to go to the Grand I, I Canyon either. and take yeah. a picture of the Grand Canyon. I want to take a picture of a seagull flying through the sun. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there's nothing wrong, wrong with it. being inspired by other people's work and and even trying to replicate it. But you know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I, I mean, there's that, there's the kind of the kind of imitation that's that's less than that. It's sort of just not really understanding what a picture is can right, be right, and right. and just snapping away casually yeah it, <laughs> i'm sorry i'm just laughing because you know this is this struggle i think that i've had for such a long time in my own work you know i and i've said this before i started uh, my photography career in a stock photo agency so i'm looking at stock photography and when I was doing a stock photography, it was just starting up, you know, and, and, and I was looking at pictures and I was saying, you know, literally I'm looking like, well, I could shoot stuff like that. You know? <laughs> and my goal, of course, it was very, I'm la- I'm laughing because he says that in the article. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. I mean, here I am. I mean, I'm, you know, 20 years old and in college and I'm working this job at the image bank. Um, I'm actually working in the, uh, in the filing department. So I have to look at all the pictures and I have to file them. So I have to physically look at the pictures. And then later on, I became an editor um, of an editor so I could see pictures that are coming in. And, uh-huh. you know, I'm seeing this guy walk in, this photographer walks in and they shoot all these pictures of such and such. And, you know, they get X amount of dollars, you know, cause they're selling their pictures or leasing their pictures for advertising. And I'm like, well, shoot, I can do that. You know, that's not yeah. too different than what people are probably saying now when they're looking at, you know, websites and saying, well, shoot, I can do that. And, you know, it served a purpose. I ended up in the career with stock photography and I was, I was doing it and I started getting my own, I finally started finding my own voice. And what was really funny was watching people imitate me, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and there was, I was one person who copied my work almost verbatim, not, not like pixel for uh, pixel for pixel, not uh, exactly, but enough Uh that I looked at it and I'm like, Holy crap, this guy is totally copying me. He's totally (laughs) copying me in some sense. But then, you know, it's funny because I wonder if someone said that about me. I mean, I was shooting, you know, I was like, well, you know, I could go down to New Mexico to the very large array, you know, um, radio telescope and shoot a lot of really technically, you know, good looking pictures that look very high tech. Um, Uh And a lot of other people have done it and it wasn't that hard. And you go down there and there's only so many ways you can shoot it. Uh, But it's, it's kind of funny because now, now that I'm not making a career in stock photography because it's not what I do now, and now that I'm shooting street photography, and I'm I'm kind of still trying to figure out what my my where I am in all this, you know. Personally, yeah, I mean, yeah. someone might look right, at my stuff right. and and say, "Well, you know, you're doing this, this, and this." I'm like, really, I don't know if I see that yet. But um, anyway, I just I don't know where I'm going with it. It's just it's interesting to to think about this live as we're, as we're talking about this subject. I mean, he says that he's struggling to put his own thumbprint on his own work and he goes, he has a style a vision, his own unique view of the world. Uh, he has his own pro, uh, post-processing style and methods, but he goes, if someone came along and watched him, uh, he's sure that they, they could emulate him and even replicate, replicate him within a few hours. But I looked at his work on his site and we'll, like I said, we'll link him up in the, in the show notes. Yeah, A.B. Watson. A.B. Watson, a guy from uh, New Zealand. And I'm looking at his work, and it looks like he photographs, uh, his work looks like he's shooting on film. Doesn't look digital. And I don't mm-hmm. I don't mean that yeah, like some, he's, some, sorry, some go beautiful ahead. beautiful land. I was just going to say some, for people who are just listening and haven't seen his work, some really beautiful black and white landscapes. Very simple subjects, um, you know, like a, a little uh, creek going through these dark bushes or, um, uh, some, you know, 
trees in a forest with uh, some farmland in front. I mean, it's just very, very simple work. And and the reason why I say film, because it, it, the grain of the pictures looks very familiar to me. It looks like it's film. It doesn't look like it's digital. But the, the it's very, very simple imagery. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful imagery. And to me, if I look at the whole page, it does look like it has a, a, a style. You know? mm-hmm. um, oh, totally, yeah. But, you know, I'm looking at his work. I'm like, I don't know if I could duplicate his work. I don't know if I see the world the way he's seeing it. And, and then I think of someone, he, his work is reminding me a little bit of Michael Kenna. Again, I'm bringing him up. He's a, a great black and white landscape photographer. I'm, I'm just moved by his work. And I'm not sure that somebody sitting next to Michael Kenna, or even looking at his work for some period of time, could actually duplicate him at all. But, you know, I'm looking at this guy's work and I'm like, I don't know if I see the world this way either. You know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, so I, I'm not, I'm not sure where to go with that. And I don't necessarily agree with it. Well, he seems to be asking the question. I, I mean, he's pointing out that, that one way to approach it is to almost entirely to limit yourself to just seeing what other people are doing and saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do that. And I, I really do think that Part of what he's trying to get at, and A.B. Watson, is the same thing that we are talking about at Switch to Manuals, that you know everybody has their own unique creative potentiality. And so while, sure, you know, when you see a beautiful dramatic shot and you're inspired to try to duplicate that, then go for it, have fun with it, and play with it. But, but ultimately, if you're serious about photography, then part of what you're going to be doing over time is opening up mm-hmm. to your own creative process. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was cool that he said, you know, he's still trying, I mean, as we were saying before we started, you know, he shot for a lot of magazines, he's an accomplished photographer. And yet I feel like, you know, he's honestly saying that, Hey, I'm, I'm still trying to find my own unique thumbprint, which ultimately, I mean, to me, that suggests that he's serious about his artistry and that he's, he's evolving. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I, you just kind of said the same thing. And I think it's so cool that, you know, you've just kind of, you've gotten away from stock photography and you're doing your street photography and, and, and other stuff, but you're just sort of allowing your work to evolve. And Mm -hmm. I think that's fine, man. I mean, to me, that's the ideal, just as long as you're shooting and you're being creative and you're just kind of experiencing that, those aha moments of, wow, I like that. And then, you know, let, I mean, yeah, when you, when you're thinking about your entire portfolio and your body of work and I mean, that's where I, 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 again, another thing I liked about what he said was, you know, that, uh, serious artists are oftentimes thinking a lot about what it is that they're trying to do and, and, and that we can, we can write about that. I mean, I Mm -hmm. love like a good photo essay, you know, or just when a photographer is talking about their photography and illuminating the concepts with the images or, you know what I'm saying, just kind of framing the work. It was yeah, like yeah, when we yeah. talked to Ron Haviv, I mean, it was clear that, you know, he's a world-class photographer because he has devoted his life to this and given it a great deal of thought. And and so it was fascinating just to to hear him talk about the language of images. And, you know, he has a whole sort of, kind of worldview around what it is that he's doing. And I mean, I, I think all of us do, we don't, we don't always articulate it, but I think there's, there's value in really trying to, um, you know, do, do some, do some writing. I mean, I've, I've dabbled in that and I mean, I like to write, but that, it's, that's like a whole nother topic, you know, yeah, yeah, putting, yeah, yeah. putting words to your images and, yeah. Um, you know, when you have to do a show, sometimes that there's a challenge to like, okay, I'm going to oh yeah. <laughs> explain what it is that I'm doing Yeah, yeah. say something about this image and on a little card that's going to be next to it. You know, uh, have you read, um, I'm sure you have the Susan Sontag's, Sontag's book on photography. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. She's, yeah. She's like the world-class writer on photography. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's taken me a, f- a few tries to go through it. I mean, I remember picking it up in school and I'm not always a big reader of photographer, uh, photography or photography critique, but I mean, it, it, the, what I've gotten through so far, I would absolutely read this book. Um, yeah. She's, yeah, she's a genius and, and really kind of a foundational writer and thinker about the art of photography. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what we're getting at here is that there's, 
you know, so many different ways to approach this. I mean, he talks about camera operators and that we're sort of obsessed with the gear. And you know what? So what? I mean, yeah, we are. We like, sometimes we like this kind of stuff because it's, you know, it's like a, you know, I think of a NASCAR driver and they have to like, you know, the car that they drive, but it's a total art for them to drive that thing around and use it as an extension of their body to uh, be able to, you know, go around a racetrack. And I think the same thing with our gear is that it ends up becoming an extension of our method of expression, you know? And, you know, there is the un, I want to say unhealthy obsession of gear. I mean, you know, we can talk about shutter speeds and pixels and all this stuff until we're, you know, blue in the face, but ultimately none of that makes any difference is if you can't use it to express what you're trying to express. And what I was going to mention before, I forgot to finish up this thought, but the, the 500 pixels site, Uh what I've noticed so often is that people are, are so more than not imitating other people. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I was leading up to my story, I think that's great if you're in trying to find what your voice is, but someday you're going to have to get off that road. You're going to have right. to find the exit sign that has your name and you're going to have to go off and say, okay, well, I've been on this road and I've seen this view, uh, you know, a hundred times. It's time to go off. And yeah, it's time, time to make my own road. You got to make your own road. Yeah. Uh, if you're, if your plan is to just buy gear and to copy other people. I mean, you know, I don't really have any judgments about that. I just think it's ultimately not satisfying. And what you're talking about, like the photographers who devote their life to it. I mean, they're the ones walking around with the cameras around the neck day after day after day. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that we all have to walk around with a camera on the neck. I do, by the way, (laughs) it's just, I, I can't not have a camera around my neck these days. It doesn't make you better or worse photographer. You're not always walking around with it, but it really is. A, it's a mindset, I believe. And yeah, it's, it's exactly. A, and it's a goal that what are you trying to do? What is it that you're trying to express? What is it um, your, what is your ultimate satisfaction in this? And I think what you're talking about, it's actually a very good exercise. And you got me thinking about it. Because if some, if I had to write about what I'm trying to do with photography, I think I'd really draw a blank right now. I mean, at least as I'm talking to you, I mean, maybe if maybe yeah, because someone... yeah, we don't we don't often explicitly sit down and say this is what my photography is aiming to do. I, right, I mean, it's right. just you know, it's it's not writing. We're usually we're not writing. We're out shooting, but but I do think there's value in it. In the 1980s, if I, if you were asking me to do that, I would say well. My goal is I want to make money in my photography. I know how to take pictures. I'm, maybe I am just a camera operator, you know, and I have uh-huh. access to, to funds, which allows me to travel and go to locations and say, yeah, well, I can go and produce these kind of pictures that I can then market to somebody and then make more money. And then I can keep doing this. And that's a fine goal. And I would have been able to write that down fairly easily, I think. Um, uh-huh. And... You know, the, I mean, forgetting about the fact that the, the business dried up, I think ultimately, as I look back, you know, I've got, I'm looking at one, two, three, I'm looking at bank, bankers boxes full of slides that, that I shot at the stock agencies that I'm not saying I really don't care about, but like, they don't, you know, I mean, I can't just they throw don't, them they don't. I yeah, can't they throw don't make out. your heart sing. No, they don't make my heart sing. And then I'm at the street photography class I'm teaching on Saturday, and I'm, you know, showing other people's work, which I'm very excited about, and I'm trying to get the students excited. And then I show my own work, and there's like maybe, I mean, I like my work, but there's like maybe like three or four pictures that I'm really, really proud of. And uh-huh. it's been so long since I've been able to say that. And and they're, they're images that I created that nobody else created. They're unique to me. Uh, yeah, you know, um, and I don't think I could have said that, you know, 30 years ago. So, mm. well, I think that underscores the the power of the creative arc of our lives. You know, I mean, it's like, there's something to be said for what, it what goes into that process if, yeah. if we stick with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and stick with it. You know, I would, I would make that the, uh, sort of the takeaway from this is to stick, yeah. is stick with it. And I don't know, stick with it. And don't think of yourself just as a camera operator, but I like this idea, you know, maybe as an exercise, 
uh, maybe for both of us, or at least for me, is to, is to start writing down something about your photography. Yeah. You know? I think that's a good deal. And, oh, the one last thing I wanted to say, he, he said this. He says, it's dangerous when everyone starts thinking in the same way. There's no controversy, no friction between peers. And he goes, without friction, we all become static or boring. Uh, it goes, and I'm quoting him here. I feel that the collective group of photographers out there aren't putting their own brushstrokes into their own work. Are we capturing an idea or just a, rather just a moment? And what's funny was that earlier this week I, on my Twitter feed, a quote popped up from General George S. Patton, Patton you know, <laughs> old blood and yeah. guts from World War II. And he wrote simply, if everyone is thinking alike, then somebody isn't thinking. You know, I thought there was some connection between those two things. But totally, yeah. This idea yeah. that if we're all thinking the same and we're all following the same path, ultimately it's not going to be satisfying. Right. I mean, it doesn't really make sense in light of sort of, you know, the the universe seems to have a predilection for diversity, right? I mean, right. you know, evolution right. just becoming mutations. mutations yeah, right? yeah. Right. Further complexity. And I mean, and you look at you know, you look at other arts, music, painting, it's like you see these movements over centuries and pioneers and people who just break ground and mm -hmm. change the world. And, you know, and I think, I mean, it's exciting to think of these things in relation to photography because we are living in a time in which the photography itself is going through this sort of huge change simply because as we've talked about before ad infinitum, but it's true. Everybody's becoming a photographer in a sense, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. lots more people are taking pictures. There's this huge tsunami of images. And so from that standpoint, I think, you know, what, what this guy, A.B. Watson is saying, there's some merit to it. It's like, Hey, everybody, let's just step back and look at that tsunami of images and look at how so many of them are just nearly identical. And, and let's remind ourselves that we can be artists and we can, we can find a unique point of view and we can say something about the world that, that matters and that somebody else might care about. And I couldn't say anything better than you just, <laughs> I will leave it at there. I'm going to drop the, you should drop the mic <laughs> because that's it. I just it. saw a commercial where a guy was dropping the mic and he dropped like five of them. He said, I don't have any more mics. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can't add anything to that. I mean, well, the one thing I, I'll, I will throw in there is like lately there's been some really interesting television shows that have uh -huh. been coming out and there's the ones that are breaking the molds a little bit that are really getting yeah. my attention. Uh, for instance, for people who are watching this, there's a show called Mr. Robot, um, which is actually filmed in this neighborhood, you know, our old neighborhood. Huh. Yeah, uh -huh. uh, quite often. And there's cool. a new show that's out called Legion, which is a, a superhero kind of show. Totally uh -huh. done against the, maybe it's kind of against the grain of typical television, but really has, you know, uh, made things a little bit more interesting. So I, I concur exactly with what you're saying. Um, cool. You know, yeah. Let's, it let's... seems to me it's like Camus, you know, yeah. Camus talks about the rebel. Yeah. The artist yeah. as a rebel. Yeah. And we can all be rebels. And in, you know, in this time that we're living right now, we could probably use some rebellion. <laughs> totally, man. Yeah. <laughs> I got a great shot in a mosque the other day. <laughs> oh yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, Will you? I haven't po I haven't posted it yet, but let's get it in the show because I, I will. I will. I might. Uh, like I said, I, well, I'll put it on the uh, show notes on the Podbean page. But let's let's. I cool. think we. I think we we covered this, and this is a great topic. I think we should we should yeah, follow this my up hat, later. My hat is off to AB Watson. I I'm you know um, would like to meet the man someday. Yeah, yeah. I like to give him credit for for posting the story. Like you said, it was a provocative. Yeah. Title definitely. and and. Uh, I think that's enough to, to get us started into thinking, um, what, what this is really all about. And so, yeah, yeah. My hat is off to him as well. And we'll link you up. Uh, his, his pictures are really nice. They're, they, they seem to have emotion in them. I would, that's what I would say. Uh, uh -huh. so, um, check, check his stuff out. And thanks a lot to, uh, you know, Sid and Mac for uh, <laughs> sort of letting us, uh, take their idea of, uh, grabbing a, a a topic from a blog and using it as a podcast topic i think it's a great idea and you know thanks to petapixel for for uh 
posting some of these stories. That's uh, that's very good of them. They don't they post these stories. We don't have to pay for them, so it's kind of cool that they do that. So just give yeah, them credit. Good, good material. Yeah, credit where it's deserved. So, all right. I think we've we've actually we've gone a little bit longer than we said we go. So that's well, great. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was great to uh, get together with you and talk about this stuff because uh, this is. Yeah, this is kind of what we used to do when we were in the coffee shop, so. Yeah, man. Yeah. Feels good. Yeah. All right. Well, where can people find us? Yeah, so we're at our switchtomanual.com site. Um, Like I said, it might be a little uh, iffy for the next week or two until I get it back up and running, but uh, you can, uh, the site is available. I just might be able to post there. So switchtomanual.com. And we're on Twitter at switch the number two manual, so switch to manual. And while you're on Twitter, follow me at am rosario and follow tom at witness photog p-h-o-t-o-g we're big facebook people we like facebook so search for us on facebook we have a flipboard magazine for those of you who are on uh who have got uh, mobile devices a great way for us to curate stories uh for a switch to manual so you have to go to myflipboard.com you got flipboard.com slash at am rosario to subscribe to our switch to manual magazine so anyway it's a it's a good place uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, please leave us a review and, um, you know, stars and thumbs up and any kind of feedback. Well, this way we can get the podcast to be more popular. And, uh, you know, if you don't want to throw in some money in the tip cup, you can also check out our portfolio reviews where we uh, send you feedback about your work. We've got three paid tiers. You, uh, yeah, you pay us and we review your pictures. But it's a great way to, you know, um, have us work for our money. <laughs> and yeah. And it's affordable. Fight. It's not crazy. Yeah. It's affordable. It's not crazy. Uh, and as we're, as we've been saying, it's, it's, it's a good experience to step back from yeah. your work and size it up and really think about, reflect on, you know, what, what am I doing and what direction am, do I seem to be moving in or what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? That sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So get, get us to look at your shots and, and, uh, We'll be there. Anyway, also, like I said at the beginning of the show, if you uh, if you do like what we're doing and you're up for uh, throwing us some chump change, we got uh, tip cup buttons on our website and our Podbean page. So, you know, help us uh, defer some of the cost of the hosting and stuff like that. And uh, a few other things. I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna once I get the website back up and running, Tom and I are gonna put our prints up there for you guys to buy. Another way to support our site. That's it. I think I got it all covered. Right? Yeah. Sounds good. All right. So. Uh, <laughs> In that sense, I will uh, say see you later. Adios. Adios.